Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Peter Dowdle uh, joining us. Same thing happened last week as well there. The jingle for some reason just keeps disappearing on uh, Peter. I don't know why it's on the same ad break again. Uh, Good afternoon to you, Peter. I, I won't take it personally, Chris. Yeah, no, we no, should no. have a jingle. We, we should come up with our own jingle. We should, yeah. We should. We'll, we'll sing it, maybe. <laughs> I don't know if, the, if the, I don't know if your listeners are ready for my singing voice. <laughs> I'm sure you have a wonderful singing voice. Okay, straight yeah. into questions uh, for you. And this one has come in from a couple of, of people. Hi, Peter. How do I ripen green tomatoes? Well, we've had that before a few times, haven't we? So the, the, the best way to do it, and it is, the, while the weather up to now has been glorious, the temperatures are dropping in the evening. Um, so, yeah, if you have tomatoes outdoors, I'd be inclined to, to pick them now and just put them into a brown paper bag with with a, a banana. Uh, and it's an old, old uh, tip, but it, it still works. It absolutely works very, very well. And can I say that tip also works? You know, if you're trying to ripen an avocado, and, and I'm a big, I love avocados, but it's just so hard to buy them when they're just ripe for eating. I always seem to buy ones that they say are ripe and I get home and they're not. It's a great way to, you, yeah. can write, you can just put it into a brown paper bag. I think it's the darkness does it as well. Pop the banana in and it will ripen an avocado as well. So that's a, certainly a good one for the green uh, tomatoes. OK, hi, I have a hydrangea and some dahlias that never flowered this year. What do you think might be the cause of that, says a listener? Well, it's interesting that neither of them flowered and I'm presuming they're not new plants. I'm presuming they're, they're kind of established plants that have flowered in the past. But uh, <coughs> So if it's a hydrangea, it could be one of a few things. It could be that um, the, you, if you pruned it last winter or early this spring that you pruned it too hard. So pruning a hydrangea is always good, but uh, sometimes you can prune it too hard uh, and that results in the, the hydrangea not flowering for a year or maybe even two years. So that, if that's applicable, so only the caller will know if, if they did that, if they did prune it this winter, that could have caused it. Um, if it's a new plant, you know, I'd always give them, a, I wouldn't read anything into them in the first year. I'd always give them more than a year to settle in. So if it's a new plant, I wouldn't worry about it. If it's an established plant then, and if you didn't prune it, uh, and also with the dahlia, if they were established and not in their first year and they didn't flower, um, it's probably lacking some nutrient in the soil, some some potassium and phosphorus. So give it a good feed, something like a good quality tomato food, like the Nature Safe tomato food is a good one. It's made with seaweed up, up from Galway. Uh, and that's a very good organic tomato food that will promote. You see, tomato food, any tomato food, is is high and rich in phosphorus, strish and potassium, which are both nutrients important for the development of uh, of flowers and fruit, obviously, hence hence they're good for tomatoes. Uh, but it's actually very beneficial to all flowers. So try that. Peter, please, is it OK to set Grisolinia hedging now? And if so, what kind of fertiliser would I put around them? 
it is okay to set them now. Uh, you won't get them bare roots. So in other words, if you're planting Gristillinia hedging, you'd only get it now in pots, right? Now, if you wait another month, or maybe the end of October, let's say, you'll get it what's called bare root. So bare root, for those who don't know, it's as it sounds. The plants aren't grown in pots. The roots are, are bare and exposed to, to, to everybody. But you can only do that during... Um, the winter months you can only plant bare you see you can only lift bare root plants and thus you can only plant them during the winter months november december january february i would say is your window so if you want bare root hold off to the end of october but you can absolutely plant them if, if you get them potted at this time of the year uh, in terms of fertilizer for either one first the first instance i would use a good quality obviously good quality soil and if you've even some homemade compost from your own compost bin provided it's well rotted put that in and that will help the roots to establish quite quickly uh, and i'd put in a base dressing in other words a, a shake of uh, of um a good kind of granular seaweed again the nature safe is a very good one they do a, they do a granular seaweed feed put that in uh, underneath the roots so in other words put that into the hole before you plant them um, and the most important thing then over the next 12 months is water it's not so much fertilizer it's water uh, and also very important with any new hedge is that you keep it weed free around the base for the first year or more for the first two or three years realistically because those weeds on the soil surface will compete for, for water because you can imagine next summer next to that new hedge it'll start raining obviously uh, but the, the weed roots will get that water before the water permeates down to the gristlinia roots. So make sure it's weed free uh, and you can help that by mulching around the base of, of the gristlinia. So you can mulch it with bark or with any organic material. Again, it could be your own homemade compost or anything like that, mushroom compost, anything. Because um, that will keep it weed free, but it'll also help to improve the soil texture and, and maintain moisture around the root zone. Uh, so short answer or long answer to a short question. Uh, yes, you can plant gristlinia now if it's in pots. But if it's bare root, no, you want you want to wait till the end of October. And it's a great hedge to take off and grow for you, for sure. Okay, Breda has, says, Hi, Peter. Can I prune out the lower branches on my holly hedge to allow air flow into my garden? The same question with my camellia. The branches are actually on the earth. Can I prune the lower branches on the camellia? Yes, and yes, you, you absolutely can. Now, just uh, it won't do any harm to the plant at all and will let air circulate. Um, and in some cases, in fact, I've done it in my own garden on both holly and camellia, not hedges, just plants. I have what we call raised the crown. In other words, we've removed those lower branches just because where I have them, uh, it's not so much air circulation. I just want to see, I want some more light around that area. Uh, and I didn't need all the, the foliage all the way to ground level. I'm quite happy to have it up on top where it's giving me a bit of screening. But uh, it's absolutely fine to do that. But just the reason I say all that is do bear in mind how it's going to look afterwards. Uh, it may look perfect and you may be quite happy with that look or you, it may look a bit straggly and bare. So just be careful and think about how it's going to look before you do it. But in answer to the question, absolutely you can do it and you won't do any harm to the plant. And I'm wondering for Anne, is it the same advice on the tomatoes with the ripening of the tomatoes? She's trying to ripen her grapes that she's growing. How do you ripen them? Well, yes, I mean, in terms of what you were saying about the avocado, I was going to add there, yeah, I mean, it, it will work for all fruits. So if you put anything in with a banana, believe it or not, into, into a paper bag, uh, it will help to ripen. If it's the chemical that comes from the banana, I'm struggling to remember the name of it, but it, it will come to me, probably tonight when I'm fast yeah. asleep in bed. But, um, but the, that does expedite the ripening, the senescence process, if you like, in, in other fruits. Um, so it will work for the grapes, but... If the grapes are growing indoors, like grapes will rarely, if ever, ripen properly outside in Ireland. There was, was, it, it was three or four years ago we had that incredibly hot summer, and they did actually, but more years they won't. 
uh, I suppose the good weather now late in September is probably helping. But in answer to the question, yes, you can and they will. But it's not going to be as successful as tomatoes or avocados because the grapes probably won't have plumped up enough yet to become proper grapes if you know what I mean but if they have yeah, absolutely put them in with the banana and it will help them to ripen yes it is the gas is it ethylene is the gas that bananas yes. release there yes. you go Google oh, is oh sorry there you go yeah, 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 yeah Google yeah, yeah. is great yeah. I'd love to say I knew that off the top of my head I didn't uh, Greta what time of the year would you shop would the shops have vegetable marrow trying to buy vegetable marrow it should be the, the, the. I presume she means as the vegetable to eat, as opposed yeah. to the seed. So yeah, you, you should. It should be available now, really. I mean, marrow is just a big courgette, so like you'd be harvesting them now. So over the next month, you should start seeing them available. Absolutely. Uh, Bri, another breeder has planted. No, she said she's planted plants. She's saying on a hill, but the dogs are rooting out the plants. It's on a slope. Any advice how to keep the dogs away? Oh, the difficult one. It really, is a difficult one. Um, there, are, there is a few products on the market, several products on the market. They're pepper dust products, and there's a very good one uh, called Get Off My Garden. That's just the, the name of the product, and it's a, it's a liquid, or it's a kind of gel that you put on and needs to get wet. And, uh, and I know this from speaking to vets, and I know the vet you speak to might be a better question for her, but um, from speaking to vets, they'll always say you need to break the habit. So you need to find something to break the habit. Once the habit is broken... They, they'll, it'll tend not to be a problem but you do need to be diligent for that first kind of 10 days or two weeks to break the habit and to break the cycle so putting down pepper dust or any of these repellent products that get off my garden you'll need to to be diligent with it for that first two weeks like nearly use it every day uh, another thing you could do is uh, and <laughs> i don't want the animal welfare people up in arms now when i say this because i've done this myself and i'm a dog lover and a cat lover but if you get some thorny branches of a thorny tree even holly or something like that and put that around the plants the the dog or the cat or whatever will you know they'll, they'll just scratch or hurt their paw no long-term damage honestly um but that'll tend to keep them away from going there as well so it's all about breaking the habit in the first week or yeah, two yeah that's all it is and that's exactly what jane arvetta would say it's just all a bad habit and it's to get them out out of the habit now i don't know if that product get off my garden will work for john uh he needs a solution to rabbits they're coming into the lawn they're digging holes around the shrubs the flower beds and and the lawn itself any advice on how to keep rabbits at bay the get off my garden won't work for that no. situation, no. But what, what you have two options there, right? The first option is a product called Grazers. So what Grazers is, it's a range of products all based on calcium. I think it's calcium chloride. It's a formulation anyway of calcium. Um, and what you do is you, you normally water plants. I'm not, I'll come back to the lawn now in a sec, but you normally water plants with it, drench the plants with this Grazers. Now Grazers, as I say, they do a range. So one is for rabbits. Make sure you get the right one because others are for lily beetle and slugs etc so get the one for rabbits um you drench your plants with it and again you need to do it two or three times until the plant builds up enough calcium to make it completely unpalatable to the rabbits okay and it's a very effective product but you do need to use it correctly which is three or four or five applications to to get it right Uh, and then there's enough calcium in the plant then to make it just the rabbits won't like it i have no reason to think that the same thing wouldn't work on a lawn Okay, so if you if you drench your lawn with grazers four or five times over a few weeks, it should work, and I would say it will work. Uh, but on being honest, I have never done it on a lawn, but I can't see why it wouldn't work. However, depending on the size of the lawn and the scale of the problem, it might become a very very expensive solution. So, which leads me to the second option, 
which will be an expensive solution, but it is absolutely, if, if, if it's that widespread a problem, this really is the only way of dealing with it, and it, it's putting up rabbit-proof fencing around your, your boundary and your perimeter, uh, and that is, it's quite a big job of work, and depending on the, the boundary and the perimeter, and what you need to do with rabbit-proof fencing for it to be effective is it, there's no point just, like a dog fence, bringing it down to your grass. You need to go under the grass, or the rabbit will just laugh at it and burrow under. So you need to, you need to bring that chicken wire, or whatever wire you're using, about a foot to a foot and a half under the soil level um, and then kind of curl it back on itself, if you know what I mean. So the rabbit gets confused, he tries to burrow and he keeps meeting wire. Now it's a big job and it's an expensive job, but it's realistically the, the only foolproof way of, of keeping rabbits out. Yeah, if, and if it's a really bad problem, you, you'll go to any lengths. Maura is in Glanmire. She's got palm trees around her house so they offer great shelter, but they're going brown. Any advice? You see, it depends on Maura's palm trees, number one, as to which ones exactly they are, and number two, and I know this may sound like splitting hairs, but kind of exactly how the browning is happening. So why I say that is browning on the inside of palm trees is totally natural. It's just that there isn't sunlight getting to it, and, and conifers like that will just be green on the outside few inches, right? Now, if it's a general browning like that, I wouldn't be worried. There's very little you can do. A light trim will try and green up the outside a bit, Okay. Also, if it's something like the Leyland palms or the Leyland conifers, they do have a lifespan really of, I would say, 30 to 40 years. So it depends how old the palms are because they do just start to fade and start to fail when they, hit, when they get to that age. And that there's, there's no magic wand there I can offer, unfortunately. If that's the situation, you just need to replace them. And, of course, you could be replacing something that that's 10, 12, huge, 20, 30 feet high. That's a huge yeah. job, isn't it? It is. Uh, the, other th- the other thing then, uh, Trish, it could be just random ones are going brown. And if that's the case, then it could be something, unfortunately, like Phytophthora or one of these fungal infections, which is, spreads in the soil and just gets random plants. Um, so hopefully one of those three, three, three options will tick her box, if you know what I mean. Mm. But, but neither one of them is, is, none of them are really great news, I'm afraid. No, no. Mary wants to take a cutting from a rose. Uh, when is the right time to do it and how? Get out there today, Mary, and do it because yeah. we're getting late. So uh, if they root, actually, roses will root relatively, depending on the rose, but they, they tend to root relatively easy from cutting. So you do it at this time of the year, any time really between kind of June and August. So we're just, just outside of the window, but certainly it should be fine. Um, so what you want to do is, it's the, the, the posh name for it, if you like, Trish, is a, is a, a semi-ripe nodal cutting. So basically what that means to you and I is a slip, okay? Yeah. Uh, where you, you're the base of your cutting, the semi-ripe refers to this year's growth. So it's this year's growth, right? Not, not old woody growth from previous years. Uh, the base of the cutting should be at a node. Now a node is quite simply where the stems meet the, or where the leaves meet the stem. Because it's at that point, that's the magic part of the plant, if you like. That's where all the hormones hang out, and particularly the auxins in this case, which is what we want for developing roots. So they're all, the highest proportion of them is in the, the, the nodal area. So the base of the cutting should be at a node. The cutting of a rose should be about two, uh, maybe three nodes in length, so about four to six inches. So you remove the bottom pair of leaves. You'll have a node in the middle when you remove those leaves as well. And the node on the top, you leave those leaves and you trim off everything above that node. So you trim off what we call the terminal bud, which is like your growing tip or your flower bud. You remove any flower buds, anything like that, because you don't want any growth from the, the stem to go into anything except root production. So a four or six inch cutting should be about three nodes, a node at the bottom, a node in the middle and a node in the top and leave the leaves with the node on the top into a bit of rooting powder, into some good quality compost or soil. I would keep it indoors at the moment, even your kitchen windowsill if you don't have a glass house, and it should, I would expect it to root away in a few weeks. And then you'll be ready to plant out. 
Yeah, plant, yeah, yeah. Once it's rooted, it'll be fully hardy outside. Yeah. Okay, and a West Cork listener sent me a gorgeous photograph. These are the last of the apples. Too beautiful. They look like Cox Pippin. They're gorgeous looking apples uh, from our eight foot tall tree. I now need to prune that tree. When is the best time to do it? Would it also be okay to reduce the height by a few feet? We normally get about forty decent apples from that tree. Okay, so yes, it would be. Well, I'm going to say yes, it would be okay to reduce it by a few feet. I, I don't, I haven't seen it. Obviously, I don't know how, how big it is. Uh, and you might be as well advised to get a professional arborist or tree surgeon in to do the job. So don't don't take any health and safety risks with chainsaws and things of like that up ladders. And so be very careful in the first instance. Um, it'd probably be okay to take a few feet off, depending on the the overall height of it. What you're really doing when you're pruning it, and to answer the first part of the question, I would say November to January, October even to January is the time to do it. Um, what you're really concentrating on is a couple of things. You want good air circulation again through the plant. So you want to remove any branches that are crossing over each other, causing congestion in the centre, because that leads to poor air circulation and the development of fungal problems like apple scab and things like that. So remove any crossing branches. You want to retain as many of the fruiting spurs as possible. So kind of in October, January, when you're doing that, there's no leaves and the fruit are gone. But it's hard to describe it on the radio, but a fruiting spur, it's like it's like a node or it's like a leaf joint, but it's much more swollen, if you like, than a normal leaf one. They're, they're fruiting spurs, which are going to give you your apples next year. OK, so you want to retain as many of them as possible. If look, if you go wrong with this, it's not an issue. Like it will, the apple tree will recover. So don't worry too much about if I take this off or that off. So you want to, to remove a lot of the congested growth inside. Reduce it by height is fine. Any disease material obviously needs to come out. Uh, and also, if there's more than one apple tree, which there probably is, make sure you disinfect your... We're all experts nowadays, Trisha, at disease control and hygiene. So make sure you disinfect the secateurs or loppers or saw between trees in case you are spreading diseases like canker or anything like that. Um, uh, but then the, 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 that's all there is to it, really. Um, and, and October to February is the time to do it. Okay, and enjoy those apples. They're the last of them and they really do look uh, gorgeous. Uh, Okay, that's where we'll wrap it up uh, for today. Uh, Are you busy, Peter? Is this a busy time for you? We are. It's all bulb time. It's it's time to get out the daffodils and tulips and alliums. So I do a certain amount of online sales. So the bulbs are beginning to come in now and anyone who's got an order in with me, don't panic. We'll get them out to them over the next few weeks. And uh, yeah, I must ask you a question, Trish, if I may, probably for tomorrow's programme. I was listening to you earlier. You were talking about the, the solid fuel ban, you know? Yeah. Um, and and the stuff about it. And I have a question because obviously I'm I'm in favour of good air quality, so I'm kind of in favour of the ban. But I have an interesting question, and I don't know the answer. I must find it out myself as well. In terms of the fuels that are were left to burn, like the fossil fuels, like gas and oil, etc., etc. I wonder what the, the pollution rate or the smoke per ton rate is with them versus versus wood. It's just a, one that I don't know the answer yeah, to. Yeah, yeah, and it's, it's, it's a good yeah. one, and it's a one that often comes up when they seem to be just always targeting the people who've got an open fire. What about the other fossil, yeah. fossil fuels? You're right. No, I don't want them to, to they, ban they that. To ban everything, but then we'll be frozen. Okay. <laughs> yeah. And not yeah. in this country. Have a good week. We'll talk next Wednesday. Yeah. And you, Trish. Thanks, hey, thanks a million. That is uh, Peter Dowdrell at the irishgardener.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, 
Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.